Huge four-game series for many reasons this weekend against the Dodgers. Sandy Alcantara continues his Cy Young hunt, as does Tony Gonsolin. Can the Marlins' offense do Sandy a favor and blow Tony up? There's other things going on. Trevor Rogers, an absolutely stunning start last night in AAA. Is Trevor on his way back? Equally, news dropping. Pablo Lopez. The trade that wasn't made that the Yankees declined. We're going to dig into that as well and work out should the Marlins uh, have looked to make it happen with the Yankees right to say no. We're going to dig into all of that on today's Locked On Marlins. You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England and welcome to Locked On Marlins, the Friday edition of Locked On Marlins. This is your fifth episode of the week. How have you enjoyed it? It's been a fun week. Tons of guests as always. Smoking Joe was on fire yesterday, no doubt about it. Got into tons with Joe. Hope you've enjoyed that episode. And it's a solo pod. It's just me on the Friday. You can still see it's it's still light. It's still it's not nighttime for recording uh, for today. So I'm hitting the record, flying solo. Bit of a quick hit kind of episode, really, for this one, guys. And a couple of main topics. we got the Dodgers on deck. Four games against the Dodgers. Coming off a three-game series last weekend where the Dodgers absolutely pummeled the fish. We were on the road, but there was a couple of pitchers who got heavily pummeled. Brian Hoeing, one of them, and Sandy Alcantara, the other one. Equally, we didn't see Tony G last time around. Tony Gonsolin, he's going to be going up against the Marlins on Monday, unless unless the Dodgers look to try and protect Tony Gonsolin against this Marlins offense that is now popping, no doubt about it, <laughs> and try and protect that record. I don't know. We'll wait and see on that one. So we've got the Dodgers on deck. We also heard news yesterday. I say news. It wasn't brand new, but there was uh, some some information from Ken Rosenthal about Pablo Lopez uh, to the Yankees deal that felt like it had some momentum going at the deadline. So, you know, was putting out some feelers yesterday on Twitter to get your views, your feelings, should the Marlins, would the Marlins have said yes? I mean, they were proposing it by all accounts. The Yankees said no. Were they right to say no? Bits and pieces there. So we'll dig into that as well. Plus, Trevor Rogers, an absolutely stunning start in AAA last night. Six innings, uh, no hitter going, 12 Ks, just one walk. Is Trevor back? Is he back? And when will we see him back? Major League level. So guys, let's start with this Dodgers series. Friday, game one, the starter is TB, TBC right now, but all expectations are it's Brian Hoeing is going to get another shot. Last time out, it was not good. It was a tricky assignment, no doubt, probably the toughest assignment in baseball, particularly the fact he was making his, his debut after flying, you know, relatively unexpectedly across the country, dropped in there. Brian, good luck, brother. And, you know, surprise, surprise, it didn't, go amazing for him, giving up seven earned runs off eight hits, just got through three innings, two Ks, two bombs though as well. So Hoeing was blown up um, and the Dodgers obviously pummeled the Marlins that day. It was seven nil, all seven runs against Hoeing. The next day then, Sandy Alcantara came out. We're expecting or hoping for a big performance from Sandy. He's had big struggles in Dodger Stadium and 
it was again similar situation only got through three and two thirds 10 hits six runs all of them earned one walk five k's including one bomb um it was another struggle for sandy and i I think at this time of the year this is the main storyline heading into this series all eyes are going to be on sandy alcantara yes it's now at home so what can sandy do can he return to form historically sandy alcantara he he has a knack a real knack where there's a clunker he bounces back quick and well, and I'm sure Sandy will be looking to go deep, deep into this game. Uh, he's scheduled to be starting on the Saturday game, so game two. So all eyes will be on Sandy Alcantara there. And we then flip over to the other side where Tony Gonsolin, uh, I'm not sure if Tony Gonsolin is the the main, you know, if he's the number two, if Sandy is the favorite, is Gonsolin two? I'm not sure. I think there's, you know, Max Fried is in the mix, a few others are in the mix, but in my opinion, Sandy Alcantara is so far away from these other dudes that I actually think it's a it's a race of one. I think Sandy has this pretty much fully locked up. Although, what happens if the Dodgers completely blow Sandy up again? What happens if he has another few clunkers the rest of the way? Um, he let maybe lets uh, you know a few of the other guys in. However, Tony Gonsolin will have to pitch. Well, not have to, but he's scheduled to start against the Marlins on Monday. So game four, Tony G queued up. And, you know, if you look at wins and losses, Tony G absolutely on fire. You look at a lot of numbers, it's been good. You look at the one main number, though, the innings. The innings variance is so, it's so vast. And so, you know, Gonsolin's being pulled after 80 pitches and going, you know, five and a bit innings and whatever. That's just, it's all good. But Sandy's value, why he has differentiated differentiated himself from other pitchers right now in the game is just the way he can go so deep into games and he actually gets better the longer the game goes on sandy starts to get better and better and better no one else can do what sandy can he is the best pitcher in the nl he's the best pitcher in in major league baseball in my opinion i'm biased but i get to watch every sandy start and so i know i'm talking from my own experiences here. I get to see the other guys too, and they're good. And, you know, the other thing to call out, DeGrom's back and DeGrom looks like DeGrom. I really am intrigued if they can get a full year out of DeGrom next year. Let's assume he's with the Mets. We shouldn't assume that because DeGrom uh, has an opt-out uh, available to him this year. I'm intrigued to see the way the Mets play it. If, you know, if I was the Mets, let's just sign up DeGrom now. Just get him locked in, extend him, do whatever you need to do. Money is not a problem for the New York Mets. and. We also had announcement that the, you know, in terms of the the schedule itself for next year, the Marlins will start at home against the New York Mets. It's possible that the Cy Young race in 2023, it's not possible. It it does. It starts right there where Sandy will face off against Jacob deGrom. Perhaps there's a few, there's a few decisions, a few twists and turns in that one, perhaps for, for deGrom to be there. But wouldn't it be sensational Sandy versus deGrom to get it all rolling in 2023. Tough assignment for both teams there. Um, But I've got off on a tangent. It happens. It's a solo part, right? But the point I'm trying to make is Sandy Alcantara for me is still miles ahead of of anyone else. But I'm very intrigued to see, A, what can Sandy do? And secondly, what can the Marlins offense do? Can they come alive on Monday? You know, it's a Dodger game getaway day i guess so the dodgers that'll be the end of the series the marlins are staying at home uh welcoming the rays later that week the marlins will be feeling relaxed 
you know, can they? Can they blow up Tony G? I'd absolutely love it. It'd be just, you know, for all the lack of run support that Sandy's had, wouldn't it just be sensational if they they ended up just piling in on Tony Gonsolin and get, letting him have his first clunker of the year and hopefully um, only his second loss? I mean, boy, oh boy, the Dodgers starting pitchers. I mean, they barely lost a game combined all year. It's It's insane. What a team. So how's it going to go? We'll wait and see. But... The rotation itself is starting to really shape up. I think, you know, Brian Hoeing will start in all likelihood today, Friday. And it could be his last start because Trevor Rogers is back, baby. Trevor, after a couple of very underwhelming uh, rehab starts, delivered an absolute stunner. So after this ad, we will talk about Trevor, what it means for him, what the approach the Marlins took with him too. I wanted to touch on that briefly. And where we can see him coming back into this rotation real soon. But guys, uh, this episode is brought to you by our good friends over at BetOnline and BetOnline.net. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. You can find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. You can find reviews and news of every league. It includes Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, Combat Sports, Esports, and even Golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information that includes live in-game betting scores and podcasts they've just got you covered you can head to bet online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today right now over the weekend next week bet online where the game starts and boy oh boy where did trevor rogers start yesterday after an absolute disgrace of a performance last time out he got absolutely blown up trevor delivers six innings no hits, one walk, 12 Ks. I think he struck his first, out of the first eight batters, maybe struck out seven, all swinging strikes, I believe. So Trevor was just back. And it's been, it's been a head scratcher all year with Trevor Rogers, hasn't it? You know, it just didn't look right in spring. It didn't look right pretty much all the way through. Then he went to the IL for this, uh, this back issue. Uh, I saw Trevor Rogers you know, straight after that, that move was made and he was high-fiving, he was pumped in the dugout to me, Trevor Rogers, no back issue. This to me was one of those IL stints of, hey, we need to give Trevor a blow. Let him just reset. It was a reset moment for him. What does he need to go away? Does he need some time? Does he need to go away and work things out, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that's the way that the Marlins played it, which it felt right. Like the, the struggles had been real. We could all see with our own eyes, and we could, you know, and the results were showing it too. That Trevor was having a real sophomore slump. It really, really was. It's been a, a real tough year for him. It's funny as well because Ian Anderson for the Braves. It's been a similar. I know I haven't seen a lot of Ian Anderson starts, but when you look at those two guys, two lefties, two young studs, you know, Ian Anderson, a big part of the 2021 Braves rotation. Trevor Rogers, obviously, a massive part of the Marlins 21 rotation. Both of them guys. Um, now of uh, Ian Anderson optioned, Trevor Rogers obviously rehabbing, hasn't been optioned. And based on that last start yesterday, there's a good chance now that he's going to be um, recalled. And when you get it back around to next week uh, against the Rays, there's a good chance that Trevor Rogers uh, will slot back into the rotation against the Rays. I think it's the Rays anyway. It must be because there's four games against the Dodgers, then it's a Rays series. So let's assume that that spot is available. I mean, who knows? Brian Hoeing could absolutely just pitch a gem. Maybe says, I'm not leaving. I ain't leaving. Maybe. And I'd be, you know, for Brian Hoeing, it would be 
it'd be great to see him get kind of five, six innings um, against the Dodgers, against the real tough lineup. But at home, I think that's the key bit. But for me, for the Marlins, clearly they need to get Trevor. If he's if he's delivered that kind of performance, you got you have to ride that wave. You have to. You you know you send you give him the time, you give him the break, you work him back up, and then finally he finds it and it clicks. You've got to get him back up to the major league level and see can it stick? Can what he's been working on the effectiveness? Can it can it translate again to the major league level? And it's just been so. It's just been so untrevor like unmarlin's pitching like where guys seem to really take a huge step back like Trevor to me had all the tools in 2021. He really did. You're working off this fastball, this changeup combo and then it's it felt like he's obviously tweaked his game a little bit, introducing a slider I think, you know, a bit more frequently, gone away from the change, the fastball isn't isn't quite there, the velocity's down. A lot of things going on. I'm I'm really uncertain as to what has led to this for Trevor, but nevertheless, it's great to see him back. Spoke about it earlier on Twitter as well. Put out to say, listen, for the next you know five, the next five days after this, once Trevor's back, I think the rotation will look like Sandy Alcantara, Pablo Lopez, of course, Edward Cabrera, Jesus Lozado, and Trevor Rogers. It is an elite rotation. However, you want to slice and dice it. There's some proven guys in there. There's some emerging guys, and of course, there's Trevor Rogers that's looking to, I guess, recoup and rediscover that form. Still young, but how young is that rotation? A couple of lefties in there, plus, you know, an absolute bona fide ace. The Marlins rotation, it is the strength. It remains the strength. And there's more guys brewing around. Obviously, Braxton Garrett's kind of done his done his job this year as well. A few others. Let's think back as well. Obviously, uh, Eliezer Hernandez started the rotation. Uh, I'd, I'd be surprised if we see Eliezer back in the rotation ever again for the Marlins. Um, not sure the bullpen experiment is working that well either. So I'm intrigued to see you know where the future takes Eliezer, but it's time to get Trevor back in, get him get him plugged in. And for me, for Trevor, a massive month now. Can he can he just put down some back-to-back starts? And 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 it's just been that first inning felt like he's just struggled to get out of the first with a low pitch count. It's always been a struggle. First time through the order there. You always come out of there with you know 30, 40 pitches, whatever it might be. And you know at that point you're not going deep into the game. So that's the thing for Trevor. He was just not missing enough bats. Let's miss some bats. And yesterday he was missing those bats, getting those swinging strikeouts, Ton, tons of them. Okay, AAA lineup in at the back end of August. Yeah, it's probably not overly pumped, but it is what it is. If Trevor can get back, miss some bats, I think that would be a big, big thing. And that's a big thing for him. You're then into, can Lozado carry on? Lozado's had a stunning return from the IL as well. So he's come back stronger. He's absolutely on fire. Can Lozado keep that going? Carried the no-hitter into the sixth inning against the A's. Can Lozado, you know, can he put it down again against the Dodgers? He was the only one that performed against the Dodgers last time around. Again, another stunning start there. So Lozado coming back, he's trying to put himself in in a big spot for next year. You've then got Edward Cabrera, who again, you know, eight innings, easy eight against the A's. Yes, it was against the A's. So bigger test for him against the Dodgers for certain but this is the type of test I want to see. Even though this game is happening at the back end of August, the Marlins are out of it this year. This is a huge test for Edward Cabrera um, in this in this series. And um, actually, is Edward Cabrera going? Now I've said it. I'm, I'm doubting myself. He is going, right? <laughs> Nevertheless, it's going to be a big month for him. I'm actually doubting myself now. Is Eddie going? So let me just firm this up. Um, Hoeing, Alcantara, 
Cabrera. Of course, UK friendly on Sunday as well, 5 past 5 p.m. UK time. That's a 5 past 12 Eastern. Boy, oh boy, that is an early start. So we're going to get the wine cracked early there. Edward Cabrera going on the Sunday, the day game. And this is it. Can he prove the health? I, the talent has been there. It's been there and obviously there for, for years in this system. He was a little bit of the forgotten man in some ways because Sixto burst on the scene. You know, what's what's the future hold for, for Eddie? It, it always, he didn't quite have the buzz. Doesn't And as well, didn't have the same kind of buzz like in Uri Perez has, has now kind of garnered as well. So, But for me, he looks the real deal. I am excited to see him against the Dodgers as well because these are the tests. We need to work out. Can we rely on Edward Cabrera next year. Can we? Both health-wise, talent-wise, I think we can. Um, but he needs to prove it because for the Marlins, they need to make some moves to get some bats and they're not going to pay They're not going to pay for those top-level bats. So the bats are going to have to arrive via trade. That means some of this pitching depth is going to have to go and you need some of these guys to step up and, uh, and deliver effectively. Edward Cabrera is one of those guys. Who knows? He could well be a trade candidate. For those watching, and this is the other, the other interesting wrinkle here, Edward Cabrera is trying to prove to the Marlins that he can he can be counted on in that rotation, and the Marlins would like to see that too. But if you know if he starts to pump up his price, I was saying it the other day, who's more valuable right now, Jesus Lozado or Pablo Lopez? I mean, I think it's a tough one personally. Like uh, Lozado's got more control, um, in terms of uh, contractual control, not um. With the, with the ball, uh, but Lozado's got a little bit more control. To me, he's he's proving it this year that he can be a legit starter. Um, he's fixed whatever the issues were in Oakland. He's a lefty. Would you take Lozado or Pablo Lopez? I don't know. Let me know. Let me know what you think. Who do you think actually holds the most trade value? And if the Marlins could then flip, let's say they flip Lozado um, for, I don't know, uh, a big-time bat, they have to consider it. They They absolutely have to consider it. And they have to maybe to keep Pablo then, or they even move Pablo and Lozado and go and double down. Next thing is then the, the rotation starts to, oh boy, you move two of them. You need Trevor Rogers to be bouncing back then. Sandy, Trevor, Edward Cabrera, Braxy Garrett can come and do a job. You know, maybe one or two others. Cody Poteet, I don't know. You kind of move a few of those out with without any obvious health from Sixto and some uncertainty around like a Jake Eder. Obviously, Max Myers out for the year. Um, you know, it's the Marlins could put themselves into a bit of a tricky position pitching wise, but we'll wait and see. Speaking of trades, uh, the, the, the news dropping yesterday was, a, a Ken Rosenthal piece. Uh, I believe, um, Eli Sussman, fish stripe sheds, uh, an excerpt out of that saying that, you know, the news and notes, I guess, of the trade deadline that the Yankees and the Marlins were talking about Pablo. I think we all were aware of that situation. Um, but the names floated around that the, that the Yankees, in the end, it seems like, decided to to pass on were uh, Pablo Lopez plus Miguel Rojas for um, Oswald Peraza, the, the highly touted prospect, of course, um, and Gleyber Torres. So those two dudes, both middle infielders from the Yankees, um, and, you know, the Yankees turned it down. There's been a lot of talk about Peraza. There's been a lot of talk about the Yankees' prospects in general. They decided not to move really any of those guys. Um, Volpe is obviously highly touted as well. Dominguez the same. So they've got a lot of a lot of prospects that they seemingly like, and they maybe maybe they're untouchable. I don't know. It's interesting though. Here's my take on it. 
Um, and listening to what, what Craig shared uh, on Swings and Mishes a few weeks back and has kind of mentioned a little bit um, to me, it felt like this trade, this Pablo Lopez one, started to get some momentum going, was kind of getting close, but then fell away and it never really got to the final shakes. And it centered around Pablo Lopez for um, for Gleyber Torres. That was the the core fundamentals of the trade. And God, when I heard that, I thought, oh boy, that that doesn't sound a great one for the Marlins. Like, where's where's Gleyber Torres up to? I've not been following the Yankees that closely, but yeah, when you kind of dig into Gleyber Torres, like he's got two more years of control, like Pablo has. Um, you know, you look at war stats if you want to use some sort of easy comparison. Um, they're very similar in terms of war this year. I think Glaber's a little bit ahead of Pablo. Um, obviously, Glaber's had a couple of stunning years. Um, then, you know, a few not so good. But this year's been what I would say you're pretty good if you were to put him on the Marlins. He's, you know, the second or third best hitter. That's maybe not saying too much. I mean, Jazz has been the best hitter. So let's say you've got Jazz and, and Glaber there in middle infield. You know, I guess... Jazz maybe has to slide over the shortstop again, and maybe that's the impact here. But you, on the face of it, I I looked and thought, okay, you move Pablo Lopez. Um, there's question marks around Pablo, right? You know, we're all Marlins fans, and we know the drill. Pablo is breaking innings, pitch limits, um, or, or total innings, like every start. Every inning is is a new record for him. So he's not proven. He's not proven that he can take the workload. He's not proven that he can make it through to the postseason period um, at all. The talent is there. No doubt we've seen it. We know it. He's a lovable guy. But there's definitely a few knocks there with Pablo that kind of, the, the, the clubs will be kind of chinking against him. Look at Gleyber Torres. You know, what do, what do the Marlins need out of this if they're going to move Pablo Lopez? For me, I want to see a proven bat. I, I don't I don't want to be back down the pathway of a couple of, you know, high A highly touted prospects or double A highly touted prospects that we've gotten, we've never seen at the major league level. I'm absolutely fine with getting a proven major league bat. That's what we need. We don't need the prospects to come up, bed in, da, da, da. If we're going to move a Pablo Lopez, it has to be for a proven bat. And for me, Gleyber Torres, he fits that brief. He does. He really does. And I'd be intrigued to see whether, you know, maybe this is how it started. Maybe it was. Okay, cool. We like Labor Torres, or maybe you know, we like Oswald Peraza. I don't know where it started, um, but you know, you you kind of look at this and think, if that was to be the deal, yeah. And I put it out there on Twitter. What do people think about it? Pablo and Miggy for Glaber and Peraza. What I'd say is it was, and I described it as a Marmite trade. U.S. listeners, um, I know this because a few people replied to me saying, "What the hell does Marmite trade me?" Marmite is a you know, a, 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 you know, a food substance, let's say, that is either love it or hate it. There is no middle ground with Marmite. You either absolutely love it or you hate it. And so Marmite trade means that pretty much people were polar opposites. They either loved it or hated this proposal. Me personally, I I loved it. I thought this would this was a great return for the Marlins because, yeah, you know, yes, you you hate to see Miggy, you know, Miggy go for what he's been to the the organization. You hate to see Pablo go, top dude. The end of the day, they have to move an arm to get some proven a proven bat. I think they get that with Glaber, and I also think that then they get one that's pretty much near ready, highly touted guy that you know also slots into that uh, middle infield as well. So, 
I, I actually love that for the fish, but a lot of people were like, no way, that's that's shocking for uh, for the marlins. And I think that's probably like my gut feel is as to why people had that reaction was that they just hadn't looked at Gleyber Torres. They just hadn't probably gone and had a look to see what's he been doing this year. They're maybe not following the Yankees like I'm not. Um, but when you kind of dig into Glaber, um, he's having a he's having a nice year still, I think. And he'd be an upgrade for the Marlins. I think that's the way we have to look at it is offensively, would he be an upgrade? Yes, he would. Where would you play him? Don't know. Work that out. Where's Jazz going to play? Don't know. The reality is Jazz, too, you know, good two seasons now with long stints on the IL. So gut feel is you're going to need um, someone in the lineup that's going to be around when, when maybe Jazz isn't in a year. I don't know. So I loved it from a Marlins perspective. I think with Miggy Rowe, gold glove caliber, no doubt about it. The, the defense, the glove with Miggy is sensational, but the bat has dropped off so badly for Miggy um, that, you know, it's it's tough to carry him now, like in some ways with this offense. Like the Marlins need to think about this one differently. Pitching and defense is all well and good, but, you know, trying to win games 1-0 is, is, is a dangerous strategy. Um, for sure, particularly with the bullpen that the Marlins have as well. So overall, I th I'm intrigued to see the way this one goes. Um, obviously, the Yankees uh, have uh, had some injury news recently as well. I think I saw one of their starters go to the IL yesterday. The Dodgers, who the Marlins, I believe, are also talking to. And interestingly, um, that centered around Gavin Lux. So, you know, it's interesting that the Marlins are targeting that middle infield bat, um, both maybe with Glaber or Lux. So I think that's a really interesting indicator of where they're thinking, you know, maybe in line with what I'm thinking that you can't carry Miggy and you can't be an everyday, an everyday hitter there in the lineup because it's just, you know, it, it, it's just too big a drop off. So they need production. They need it fast from the middle infield. They're willing to move a starting major league level pitcher to go and get some proven, um, proven major league talent at the middle infield spot makes a ton of sense in my opinion. Um, but uh, like I was mentioning, the Dodgers, they've, you know, Bueller's now uh, out for this year plus next. Um, obviously, they've, you know, their, their rotation's kind of holding up just fine. I do wonder if the Yankees will regret this one now. Now they've maybe had a couple of injuries creeping in. I know Severino um, has been out for some time as well. So the Yankees, ahead of the deadline, this is the funny thing. Ahead of the deadline, they were like absolutely steamrolling everyone. Post-deadline, they've, being on a bit of a, you know, a middling run of form, um, some would say. So they haven't been as impressive. They're not steamrolling everyone. I do wonder if that form would have crept in um, earlier, let's say, where maybe they got into a sticky patch before the deadline a little bit, maybe the week leading up to the deadline and the Yankees were kind of in a bit of a sticky patch. Maybe, maybe they would have looked to pull the trigger on this type of deal to get another starter in there to kind of give them the innings and the talent and the quality to keep the momentum rolling. But I don't know. We'll wait and see how that one plays out in the in the offseason. The offseason, as we know, it'll be a huge talking point. It'll be a huge talking point for me on Locked On Marlins, and uh, no doubt about it. And it's it's essential. The Marlins need bats. They've got arms. They have to move arms to get bats. It's a simple, uh, it's a simple challenge that's being posed to Kim. I love what Kim's done from pretty much every trade. I have full confidence in Kim Ang um, making the right moves from a trade perspective. I don't I don't feel the same way about free agency just yet, but I do feel uh, from a from a trade perspective that Kim has been very good. She's been above average in my opinion there. And so if the deal's going to be done, I feel like it'll be a Marlins win or there's a good chance it will be. 
Um, that's going to wrap us up today, guys. We've got a four-game series on deck against the Dodgers. Sandy Alcantara looks to right the ship. The Marlins look to blow up Tony Gonsolin and end the Cy Young debate. Let's hope by the time we speak next, Sandy Alcantara has pretty much got his name on the trophy. Is there a trophy for Cy Young? I don't even know. Nevertheless, guys, thanks for joining me on Locked on Marlins today. Thanks for making Locked on Marlins your first listen today and all week, hopefully. I hope you've enjoyed the show. I mentioned I'll be back on Monday, no doubt, with Sean Barrett. Let's go.